I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Danilo's free. And it goes to Gibbs And welcome to the latest episode of Red Side the Trent. And we come to you shortly after Nottingham Forest's one all draw with Brentford, which was a very incident fueled game, shall we say, to put it that way. I'm your host, Christian Brown, and I have a full house with me of Lee Clark, Adam Wicklow, and Reese Lane. Welcome, chaps. So we will start, Reese, with yourself and the team. So a bit of a shock all round when we saw the team come through. Forest lined up in a 4-3-3. There was no Gibbs White. Urillo was making his debut. The Akate was out at left back. And Serge Aurier was back as captain. Fair to say, I don't think many people would have had that on their Cooper bingo. But uh, what did you think of the team? And how surprised were you by that? Um, I was surprised to see Gibbs White dropped, um, especially after the way he played in the home game against Brentford last year. He scored that. A really good goal into, albeit with a little bit of the deflection. But yeah, surprised to see him dropped. Um, Cooper clarified after the game that it was like kind of a rest thing. But with us coming up to an international break, you could kind of say, well, and only one game weeks as well. You kind of say, oh, can he get to that break? Which I thought that's obviously down to the, the staff, isn't it? But um, yeah, and also surprised to see um, Murillo get his first start because we've not seen him. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if he's been on the bench, has he, or not yet. Was he maybe on last week? No. Um, so he, he must have been impressing in training, really, because, um, you know, Joe Warrell was on the bench, wasn't he? So, um, yeah, um, the formation I completely understood because we spoke about this in his chat in the um, in the week. Brentford played with a three in midfield, and I feel when we play a two, we seem to get overrun a little bit. So it was kind of like we matched them up with three really good midfielders who all played really well yesterday and see what we can do. But yeah, that the problem is it's either we kind of got to play with a 10 or with wingers and we couldn't really seem to nip much together, could we first half in terms of chances, really? No, that was it. I mean, in terms of chances, obviously very, very few and far between. But Adam, I mean, in terms of the way Forrest were knocking the ball around, it was 
quite surprising sort of it was almost like a throwback to the championship from several years ago when we had a half decent team we were playing someone at home and you just knew Forrest would have most of the ball and for 25 30 minutes or so Forrest just were knocking around really nice we were a bit sort of surprised to see us play like that or set up in that sort of fashion where we actually looked to sort of control the ball no, not really, because obviously Cooper wants to go to that style, but I'm more disappointed that it wasn't, one, quick enough, and two, our fullbacks weren't really getting up to, to support and offer that like overlap and overload on, on either flank. And for, to, be, to be honest, I didn't think Alanga and Hudson-Odoi saw much of the ball. They didn't see enough of the ball to really like go and really hurt their fullbacks. And you'd think like Alanga got, Aaron Hickey books within the first two minutes and we didn't go down that side yet again or if Alanga got the ball didn't just push and run and try and cause him a lot of havoc because the, the way the way that I mean you get a yellow card in the first couple of minutes I mean you attack Hickey and get him on the back foot a lot more he's, he's the referee's gonna have to make a decision at one point if he brings Alanga down but we didn't really seem to exploit that and I thought midfield yes we kept the ball nicely but there was no real penetration in there like like he said no Gibbs White it kind of it hurts you a little bit and I just don't think Nia Catty is not a left back I mean he, he didn't get he didn't get up and really support Hudson Odoi to to give him that space to attack so I kind of was a bit disappointed in that aspect I thought our tempo wasn't that quick and I thought the three centre mids yes they're really good players really did a really good job but you need one of them to be a little bit different in terms of going attack a space that takes a centre midfielder away so to allow more space for other players to get into I thought I thought it was too rigid in, in that respect I thought it allowed Brentford to set up too too well almost and, and kind of just be narrow because we weren't getting it out wide very very much in, in all honesty No I think that's, a, that's very fair actually I was going to say I was um, he isn't down in my player review but I was I shared your opinion of Alanga that I felt was rather underwhelmed by his performance. Um, obviously he's not a robot. We know he's started off very well, but there's such a good opportunity with Hickey as well. We booked him in 70 seconds and he just didn't really go near him again. And whether it's that for that's from supply or anything else, but yeah, you kind of hope he'd sort of exploit that. Because obviously Brentford okay. are a very well organized team. They're very compact, they got back very quickly, and we didn't really look to go wider. I kind of get that Sanger tried to play in like a kind of more forward role and he got on the ball a few times and played a really, there was one in the first half, he pulled, played a really nice ball between the centre half and the fullback and got Alanga in. But the problem is you could tell that he's not used to that because he wasn't looking on the half turn a lot of the time. It was very much he's having to play the ball backwards and sideways because he's not, he's not on, he's not on the move like that, like a Gibbs White is. It just didn't, didn't quite shoot us and I think that's where we missed it because Alanga... I don't know what you guys think, but it, it, he's not that kind of player. He's not clever enough. Like if Hudson Odoi drifted maybe more in towards the centre, he might have got a bit more joy. But it just didn't, just wasn't happening. Elanga's not that kind of that kind of player in my opinion. I'm still not sure what what foot he is either. I think, yeah, he's definitely right footed. I think, but he's, I think he's just different because I think I saw actually it was um there's like a Premier League sort of stat comparison thing, and they said that. Whereas before, like Johnson would knock it and run into space, Alanga cat runs with it and carries it, and obviously it's a different style of attack play, basically. But it's certainly something that we're going to have to get used to. But Lee, obviously, it you know, as is the case of any Premier League games so before, on top don't really do a lot, and um, Brentford's 
eked back into the game before half time. And um, you'll, re- you'll see why I've given you this. Obviously, so <laughs> Brentford had two penalty claims just before half time one from Dominguez, one from Bolly, both for handball. In his defence to Thomas Frank, and that really pains me to say that, in his defence, he did say that he didn't think either were penalties and that he would have been very upset if they had been given. But, I mean, it's obviously going to open up a bit of a can of worms here, but in terms of the consensus of what handball actually is and isn't, did we get away with anything there, do you reckon? Do you think that was the right decision made? Do you think... You know, is that something given somewhere else where we have a massive debate about what is and what isn't handball? What did you think of both claims? Well, I mean, I've said it in our group chat before. I, do, I even I don't really understand what stipulates handball uh, these days. Um, I think if one was going to be given, it was going to be the first one uh, because obviously he's jumping, his arms are quite high. The, the second one, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I agree with what Dermot Gallagher said. His sec- the second one, it kind of just hits his arm and it, it is by his side. Um, so yeah, I think it, the, but if either of them would have been given, I think it'd have been very, very harsh. Um, so no, I don't really think we did get away with, with anything there, to be honest. I think, um, last season, perhaps we might have seen one of those given, but I think they're, they kind of typify the sort of handballs that they kind of trying to make a little bit more lenient this, this season, I think, um. Yeah, the, the second one's certainly not. His arm's clearly by his side for the second one. And it, it just kind of brushes his arm rather than... Bolly doesn't put his arm out to kind of stop the ball, um, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm happy that those those weren't given, to be fair. Yeah, I think uh, you have met every other Forest fan was. It is interesting. I, mean, I don't know if you saw it from the United game where Amrabat basically bats the ball away like an NBA defence blocker person. And nothing was given for that. I know that's probably old traffic tax, but it genuinely does seem that no one actually knows what is. I mean, Keeper said it after the game as well. He said that he's not sure what offside a handball is anymore. And like, surely we're in this position where managers don't know, like obviously pundits don't know. We don't know as fans. Who does know? Because I mean, there is no consistency I, in what's been given and what isn't. No, they've they've put far too. They've made handball far too. Like when I first started doing you know, the refing and that sort of stuff, it had to be deliberate. Whereas now there's so many different, it doesn't have to be deliberate if the, the, the players gained an advantage from it. And it you can't give handball if it's another body part first. Um, but like I said, there's far too many grey areas and I'm sure we'll come on to it later, but that's why I do have, with certain VAR calls, I do have some sympathy with it because it's so easy for people to sit and say, oh, you look at tennis, you look at cric- uh, cricket, you look at rugby. But, Essentially, cricket's a bit different because they do have an umpire's call. So there is a bit of kind of lenience with something that it gives some power back to the umpire sort of thing. But with rugby and tennis, it's black and it's typically black and white. The laws are typically there to be black and white. Whereas in football, the, the IFAB have just created so many grey areas to so many of the, the rules that everything almost feels like it's, you know, subjective. Um, so, yeah, like I say. Let's not uh, start the VAR stuff too early. Well, unfortunately for you, we are about to. Because, as you know, obviously we started the second half very slowly. But I'll come on to that more in detail in a minute. But one of the things that really did get caught cold was Matt Turner basically volleying Wissa into Upper Bridgeford. And, uh, I mean, 
what, what's your thought on that? I mean, I can see why in real time it wasn't given, to be fair. I can totally, it looked like a coming together and just a collision, obviously, as the ball rolls towards the line. And then obviously it's clearly it's sort of like, all right, all's, all's fair and well, you know, whatever. But the replays aren't exactly pretty viewing. Uh, flip it this way, if that was the other way around, and that's Flecken on, say, Gibbs-White, what are you saying? Are you saying penalty? Are you saying... I mean, I I don't... Um, I'm not going to stay on the fact, whether it happens to Forrest or whether it favours Forrest, that, that is what I would call the most stonewall penalty I think I've ever seen that hasn't been given whilst VAR's been in place. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, I've got to say from where I was in the, the Trent Upper, I didn't realise it was that bad. Um, but the, the replays, would, I just don't get it. If that's not a clear and obvious error, then they may as well take out the, the tag that it's got to be a clear and obvious error because it, it was, I think it was Wissa, wasn't it? It clearly nips the ball. Um, I mean, the argument is that if he, if that's overturned, then Turner's off as well. Um, so, yeah, it becomes a really, really bad day then, doesn't it? But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's the most obvious penalty I've ever seen. I can't believe I've seen some people on social media justifying it. It's just oh, he, for last season. He didn't know he was there. He didn't know he was well, yeah. there. So, I mean, it, is, it is justice for last season. It is justice for last season. I get that. But we, we, were, we were pissed off at that, I suppose, last season, whereas this, this time it's Brentford. But... It's just ridiculous. I don't know what else to say. It's it's the most obvious penalty I've ever seen, whether it's Forrest or not. Well, you know what they say. They always oh, yeah. say, "Oh, it evens itself out in the end." So going to what Adam said, yeah, you know, we had a we had a stinker of a call yeah. against us last season. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was at my end of the ground, and I mean in real time, I didn't think it was a penalty because I just thought Turner kicked the ball at his foot and Vissa mm. blocked it. He was very very lucky. He didn't go in, to be honest. Because of uh, the foot, I think the basically booting him, his white kind of stunned the board, didn't it? And we could actually clear it. I think if he'd got a clean connection on it, it'd be sick. They'd gone in. Um, but um, yeah. Turner created a whole load of chaos for himself, didn't he? I don't know if you're going to talk about this, Christian, but he had a he had a, war- he had a fair few warnings before that incident. So I wasn't uh, surprised yeah. it happened. No, I mean, I, we, we're going to cover that. He is. Spoiler alert, one of the player performances for obvious reasons, perhaps, as there's quite a fair bit to sort of talk on on top of that. But yeah, I mean, well, I suppose we were due maybe one, but goodness me, that was uh, cutting it rather fine. But anyway, Reese, following on from what I said, obviously, very sluggish after the restart again. Um, and if, it's that, if that wasn't warning enough, you know, near Carse gets a second yellow for breaking his studs down the back of someone's calf. Um, I actually was quite surprised at people's comments and that he didn't, he thought that was an accidental collision. I mean, it looked pretty bad. Um, every replay would have backed up VAR as well. And unfortunately, well, then again, that's another kind of words because can VAR suggest the yellow cards? If it's not a reg, then what is it? So, you know, it's just like we're at a point now where no one actually knows what's going on. But aside from the, we'll, we'll talk about what we do know. What we do know is near car, say, rates his studs out someone's calf. We were, Slow again after the restart, and then see it's a very routine set piece. Uh, yeah, I, I felt out of all the set pieces Brentford causes problems with, that was probably the most basic one they scored from it. But what did you think? Yeah, like you said, again, we started the second half slow, and it, it was last season so often we did it against Sheffield United this season. Um, 
and we keep doing it, don't we? Uh, Brentford started well, to be fair to them as well, and they they probably saw smelt a little bit of blood, and that's where they started to press us. And um, like Adam said, Turner was struggling, wanting in possession. But um, no, Cooper said in his post match, the first near Carter yellow was a yellow. So if we and then I I also don't agree with him. I thought it was a, a blatant second yellow, having watched the highlights. Um, I got no complaints with that. It just just a bit strange for me how long Paul Turney kind of took to give him a second yellow. You know, he, he awarded the free kick. There was a bit of deliberation. Everyone had kind of turned around to say, oh, we're going to get set for this free, free kick. And then he kind of just brought out a second yellow out of the blue and then the red. And this is where we're going into like the Ricky Lambert theories, aren't we? Of, is, as someone said in his ear, Oh, you'd realise that's another yellow, you know, after what's happened on Saturday, which we're going to come on to. But, yeah, the the, the goal, I mean, we were probably too busy arguing, weren't we? And we concede so many goals, we would just lose concentration. Um, and that was another one. You know, it was a, it was a simple ball in. Um, I, and Murillo did really well, I thought, yesterday. But he was Murillo's man, unfortunately, Norgard. And it was a simple header. And to be honest as well, I think Matt Turner would probably be looking at himself and thinking, I should have done better with that also. Um, and then you're kind of thinking, we've gone from at half-time where we spoke in our group chat, the game's poised, and you think we can win the game to, God, if we get a draw with 10 men and 1-0 down, we'll take it. I mean, these are the five margins, aren't to quote a former manager in this league, aren't they? How a game can just flip because of a slow start again. And, that, and that's why it was. And... We we keep saying we can't do it, but we do keep doing it. So at a point, it's got to end because it, we're just putting ourselves in difficult positions all the time. Lee, do you want to jump in on the VAR process before I reel off my I, start I, of the day for you? I was just going to say, I, I genuinely think, I don't think Paul Turney realised it was the same player he'd already cautioned in the first half. I think someone will have said something to him, but I think it will have been either the lino or the fourth man um, mm. and just said, look, I don't think it'd have been the lino though, because I think if he he was going to give that decision, he would probably have said straight away that it was a yellow card. Then, to, then obviously, Tierney's got to think. Well, I've already cautioned him. Um, I actually think, just to sum up that one, I actually think if if he'd not been cautioned and he gives a yellow card and it's his first one, I actually think that would have been upgraded to a red. If I'm being honest, it was um, a, it was a, it was a nasty challenge, wasn't it, it? It's awful. I mean, it's it's mm. it's similar to the Curtis Jones one in the sense of. For me, there's no malice. I'm sick of hearing that, mm. by the way. There's no malice. Uh, and he played the ball. Well, he played the ball and his, his studs rolled. I'm talking about Jones. It rolled across the top very slightly and then planted six studs halfway up his leg. It's the, it's dangerous. It's excessive force. It's a red card. Um, the same as yesterday. There was no malice from Niakate. He's just trying to get his foot right. But ultimately, his full foot goes into the back of the car for the Brentford player. So... Like I say, I think if he'd, if he'd not been cautioned already, I think that would have been upgraded to a red. I think you can tell as a fan and yeah, every referee should be able to tell this as well uh, because they've been involved in the game. But you can tell when someone's tried to proper do somebody. You know what I mean? It was one of them yesterday's, like Lee said as well, with the Jones one. You can tell <laughs> there was no malicious intent to hurt somebody. And it. it's just that in this day and age, these fouls are, are, are what they are. And by the letter of the law, they give the decisions they do. What you've got to think as well with tackles like that, I always think, is if, and I, I made this point to a Liverpool fan on Saturday night, if, if you're playing football at grassroots level 
and you, you're on the wrong end of a tackle like that, where you can clearly feel that your opponent's got some of the ball, but then he's planted, he's, he's basically followed through to the point where he's halfway up your shin, and that's going to hurt. That's going to come keen, and you know you want to be fortunate that all six studs aren't planted in the turf because you're going to end up with a snap leg. Are you really going to jump up in a grassroots game and go? Great tackle, me old pal. Let's let's keep that battle going. No, you're not. You're gonna you're gonna be in absolute agony. All your teammates are gonna go piling in, and it's gonna be the. I hope you've seen that referee. This, that, and the other. I I, I just think I don't know. Everything just seems to have been intensified with this Liverpool game, and it's like, come on. If we're moaning at refs for that decision, then something really is wrong. What worries me, I appreciate we're sort of gelling off a little bit here, but what worries me is obviously Liverpool now decided to appeal that Jones red cards. But given what's happened, I almost wouldn't be surprised if that got overturned. Just as a sort of fair way of sort of saying, we're sorry, we hold our hands up, we cost you the game. By the way, have a blatant red card back rescinded. And it's just going to be chaos. Because like, at that way, it's just, I think... Uh, well, I did agree with Cooper's comment. It could, it could not have been a worse weekend for officials as this one's just gone. And they've had the <laughs> the issue of doing it against the club that complains the most of any other club. A club that, you know, they are offended by everything and ashamed by absolutely nothing. And it, it couldn't have been any worse for the for officials to pick a team to have gone against like that. And oh, I, I don't even know where to start with it anymore. I mean, really? like... If, if you, that gets rescinded, saw, yeah. If that gets rescinded, there's going to be some very serious injuries before this season finishes because that will set yeah. the precedent for Absolutely, what is yeah. now an illegal tackle. They can't, they can't rescind that. But, but then you, had it you, you had it last season. Sorry, well, um, you know, the FA don't overturn Bruno Fernandez like pushing a referee over. So that's that's oh, that's all fine, fair and well. Next week, Mitrovic does it. It's an eight-game ban. Like, where are you drawing the line with this? It's almost like someone's just making it up as they go along. Sorry, Adam. Uh, the the thing I wanted to get to the the source of actually the red card. I mean, I thought Murillo had a, a a fairly solid debut. He was a bit shaky here and there, but it actually comes from his initial mistake because he tries to play out from the back rather than just dealing with the first initial instance, which is just clear the ball or or, or whatever. There was no time to actually put your foot on the ball and do anything with it, and he gets caught out, and that's what actually eventually leads to you know Katty given away the fact. I thought Marilla, because they were both like, it kind of got all confused of who would actually cause the foul. I thought Marilla had brought him down, but then, yeah, just seeing the yellow card and the red card so early doors, you're kind of just like, oh, for goodness sake. And then you concede from the resulting free kick. You just, we, we got we got lucky in the end. Obviously, we'll go into that in, in due course. But yeah, it was, it, we have to look at the source and, and unfortunately, Marilla got caught out. That's no, fair enough. I mean, there'll be a a lot of praise from Murillo for how he played, but he did look a bit shaky at times. Nervous at the beginning, obviously grew into it a lot. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it sort of. It, oh, I think it also exposed, like you said earlier, Adam, that Niakate probably shouldn't be playing left back. Like he just got caught out big time. But yeah, less than ideal. But I mean, the stat I was going to give you was that um, going on. I looked at the goals we've conceded from minutes 45 to 60 earlier, which was uh, made a very interesting reading. So as we've read it, so we've played seven games this season. In three of those games, it already happens. So it happens yesterday against Brentford, Norgar scoring with 58. It happened against United, Casemiro scoring with 52. It happened against Sheffield United, and Hamer scoring with 48. So, and this isn't a new thing. In the last nine games of the season last year, it happened in four of them. It happened at Villa, 
at Liverpool. Liverpool scored two goals in that time. Happened at Southampton in a 4-3 and it happened twice at Chelsea as well. Then there was a weird 22-game gap in between the Villa game on April the 8th and Arsenal on October the 30th, where we didn't do it, which is quite nice. But in those 13 games from the start of the season last season to the Arsenal game, it happened in six of them. And But for Dean Henderson saving a penalty from Harry Kane, it would have happened in the seventh. So it very clearly is a problem now that's been going on for some time, that we are coming out the second half sluggish, we're coming out slow, and we're getting stung repeatedly. Because that these are these are, this isn't a coincidence, this is just a one-off. So I guess the question to all of you is, one, what on earth is going on? And two, what can Cooper sort of do to sort of mitigate that? I don't know. You know, when something psychologically creeps in, it's hard to get rid of it, isn't it? Um, just touching on Adam's point with Murillo as well, I guess you could kind of say if we are trying to play the right way, that might might fall under positive mistakes, which Cooper's kind of encouraged, anti. Um, you know, sometimes you have to take the rough with a smooth and that. But um, no, it's been a problem for a while with with we've spoken about this and like I said in my last point it just seems to be a concentration issue for me you look at the Gus, Gus Hamer goal where they've just allowed him to shoot nobody's gone out to him uh, yesterday you know unmarked had a free header um, and what was the other one the Casemiro one <laughs> you know Brennan Johnson let Fernandez run didn't he? Casemiro was left alone everyone had pulled out to Make an offside line, which one obviously there. So it needs sorting. But we've we've said on this podcast for quite a long time it keeps happening and it and it keeps happening. And when's it going to get sorted? It hasn't been. So you know why it keeps happening, which is going to make life more difficult for itself. Well, yeah, that's Lee Adam. I'm not quite sure like what the problem is because at the start of football matches we don't seem to concede straight away. So you're like, well, what what's happened in the 15 minutes in the changing room then? Is it because we've we've took a break? Like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really make much sense to me. I thought yesterday was that the the first 15 minutes of the second half was where we was going to really get at Brentford and like then maybe you look to bring on a Morgan Gibbs White and then what happens, happens. And, and that game plan has been chucked out completely out the window, hasn't it? So, yeah, it's, someone's got to take the ball by the horns, haven't they, really? And say, like, look, this is what's going to happen. We're going to start start again, basic, and, and, and really have a go at teams when it's poor. It's like nil-nil. That, that, it was a game where we, I think we threw away two points, in my honest opinion, in, in, in the overall aspect, because we really gained what we got one. But I, I'm, I'm still fuming about it now. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a difficult one. I think, um, it, I don't think we can kind of say what's Cooper saying at half-time because he's clearly quite perplexed by himself. So I'm not sure there's an issue there, but I don't know. There's a lots of new players still to bed in, I suppose. I think if it's happening, like you said, it, it has been going on for a little bit now, certainly in this league. Um, I don't know. I think now we've got kind of a, a squad that we've probably the best squad we've had for years. I think if it's still happening in a, a month or two's time, then it's deeply alarming but uh, I don't know I, I, like the other guys I said I really don't know I can't put my finger on it to be honest um, no I don't know it's got to change on it let's face it we keep conceding goals uh, during those periods so yeah I, I don't know um, I'm sure Steve Cooper's probably lying awake at night wondering why we can't seem to play for 10 minutes after half time well either side of half time to be honest 
no, it's, it's a valid point, but also it sort of ties in with what comes next, actually. So, Adam, obviously, you know, we probably most of us thought you know, 10 men a goal down at home to a very traditionally organized squads, probably game over. And in fact, last season, Forest only took nine points from losing positions. Ironically, the first time we did so was in November against Brentford. Um, we've already done it, which is quite a coincidence, wasn't it? But lower and behold, we actually rallied pretty well. A keeper brings on Gibbs White and Toffolo. Um, obviously, the, the Toffolo even being there ahead of Nepo Williams is quite surprising in its own right. We'll cover that after as well. But I mean, it was he turned out to be a game changing sub because, you know, whereas most teams might have sort of recoiled and sort of like, okay, it's, it's damage limitations, try to keep the score down. Gibbs White immediately starts like picking the lock, and we reap the, reap, we, eh, reap the rewards for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm quite shocked to have see see Harry Toffolo in a Forest shirt again, and it's not, no no disrespect to him. I just thought we'd bought in better players. I mean, there was the talk of Tavares's injury not being so bad, and then I don't know what's happened to Aina in the last week, but obviously he's picked up a knock. So it made a little. Uh, made little sense to not start Toffolo actually at left back and near Kate at centre half and rather than bring in Murillo in. But although yeah, like we say, Murillo was promising in, in bits and parts. So but yeah, it was a it was a nice bit of passage of pay. Morgan Gibbs White is obviously very up for the game because he come on and looked very, very busy. He lays the ball on for Toffolo and it's a good cross and Dominguez guides the ball lovely over Flecken. I mean, I thought he was just going to literally tip it over the bar and I don't know how it's looped in over his head, but you take those and, I mean, what a great header. It was nice for a midfielder to break forward and into the box for a change and that's what you get for for, the, for that happening. It's Yeah, it was a nice goal. I actually generally thought like, we got that goal. We could actually go on and win the game because actually for a period of time, you couldn't really tell that Brentford had an extra man for for a while until maybe the last... 15 20 minutes to, to be honest. No, it's true. Like, eventually, their the legs did tell, and you know, we got sort of well, penned back a little bit. But there was a brief period where we did look, we sort of gained a foothold again, didn't we? But no, it's it's interesting that Cooper said after the game that he feels that Toffolo is the best crosser on the ball in the squads, which I thought was very surprising. That's high praise, that as well. But, um, I yeah, it's, it's very strange. I mean, Obviously, I appreciate some of our listeners might find this to be quite ironic, and also the fact that's me saying it. But we, <laughs> Neko Williams isn't injured. Like no one's got any use of him being injured. There's no anything like that. He played what's it, 90 minutes in one game for Wales and 60 in the game before the last international break. So he's perfectly physically healthy. So are we saying he's now fourth choice left back and fourth choice right back, which is. A pretty drastic turn of events in the space of a year, in it for a seventeen and a half billion pound signing. But I mean, that's yeah, feel pretty chiming on that one. But I, I just don't think uh, Williams has got the athleticism that Cooper spoke about in the summer. Um, and again, that's not that's not a criticism of him as a player. I just think it's the sort of player he is, and the way that Cooper wants this team to evolve. I just don't think there's a. a a space for a player of that nature. I'm sure he's a hard worker. I'm sure he's a decent character in the dressing room. Um, he comes across really well when you hear him talk, but I just don't think he's got the correct attributes for the way in which Cooper wants this team to play. It's a, it's an odd one because with that amount of money we spent on him, 
is was he a Cooper signing? I, I think you'd probably sway more towards yeah. So is he worked with him for a year and then maybe thought actually I don't quite fancy him. We've had quite a few players like that already. You know, Remo Freuler at one point, he made him captain, didn't he? And then all of a sudden didn't fancy him. Uh, Gustavo Scarpa come in. Uh, he played, I think, Southampton started, if, if I remember correctly, or came on at least. And then he was, you know, surplus to requirements. So we, we don't know. Like like you say, Christian, no one's said he's got an injury. Um, he's kind of one of them players, Nico, isn't he? He's kind of fell off and the media don't seem to say anything about him so um yeah it's a bit of an odd one but you know if he is fourth choice left back um then you'd probably be going you know towards surplus to requirements wouldn't you and you'd be looking at i don't know a loan maybe in january and then you'd be looking with respect quite a substantial loss on probably the money we've paid out for him joe you know a weird one i'd i'd actually like this is going to sound stupid and Feel free to shut me down. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a if he you'd use him as a cover for for on the wing because I think he can't. He's not that good at defending. He's meant to be more of an attacking player. And actually, in times in certain aspects of his game, he's actually quite good at carrying the ball. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against him actually having a go as as if say if you're in a game where it's actually a bit tight but you need someone still wide, you put him there as like a defensive winger, but he can still get forward. But that that's. It's obviously, I, like a bit far fetched, and it's trying to like shoe, like maybe try and shoe him or shoehorn him in into somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, I do, I do, I do tend to agree with you, Reese. It's more probably surplus to requirements in that sense. You're kind of looking at the Billy Davis mantra, aren't you? Then, of like square pegs in round holes. I, I do think Williams can carry the ball quite well, but is what I've seen of him, he's not a very good crosser. You need your wingers to be able to put a good ball in personally. We'll have to see what happens with him. It's it's one of them, isn't it? We've we've signed several players last season where it hasn't worked out, and Forrest might have to take a hit. But but we'll see. There might be an injury for all you know. We just unfortunately the media don't seem to cover certain players, do we? So we always kept in the dark a little bit. But if he is fit, it is strange as well that with respect to Harry Toffolo, he's he's just um, been cleared of that ban, Anton. He's he's not played much, didn't play in pre-season, if I remember correctly. So for him to be ahead of him, you'd kind of think if Williams is fit, yeah, it's not not good reading for him, really. It might sound a strange one as well, but I don't think, like, I think sometimes a, a lot of fans who we talk to, they, they think you're criticising by saying something remotely negative, but I don't think there's any shame now we've stepped up a league in saying that Cooper probably just doesn't feel that some of these players, especially the younger ones, aren't quite ready for the Premier League. They'll be... I mean, let's face it, there were certain games last year where Williams just looked like he wasn't ready for the Premier League. So maybe it's a case of he's, he's seen him last season and just doesn't feel that... I mean, what is he? 20, he's still only 21, is he? I know I know that's not young in the grand scheme of things, but perhaps he just doesn't think he's ready, quite ready to be a, yeah, a wing-back in the Premier you League. You know, he, he might, for example, go on loan in January. I know you won't agree, Christian, but I'm just giving a, a point of view. He might go on loan in January. He might do well. He might regain some confidence. And next season, Cooper might think, well, you can play both sides. We'll get you back in the squad. But we'll see. Um, some players, it just doesn't work out at clubs. That's how it goes for every club. You know, people have said this before. Brighton have had several players who haven't worked out. You know, Lacardio was highly rated in Holland. He came, wasn't very good. So it, it happens at every club. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No, so I think it's the point you made about him maybe being quite ruthless, Cooper, as well. I mean, Panzo, for example, you know, part of his World Cup winning squad, played one game, like discarded, not seen him since. Uh, Josh Bowler, Cooper, was, you know, we reported to have, was single handedly said, that's our Brennan Johnson replacement if we don't go up, potentially. Actually, hasn't kicked a ball for us competitively, and you know even Lewis O'Brien, and again another a, a Cooper favourite, you know midfielder, someone who really pushed the side. He's over playing left back for Bar in the Championship, so you know he clearly does have that that sort of killer, like that sort of cold killer instinct, if you like, where you you always go, nah, sorry. Regardless, Freud, and like, be the main he, one, wasn't yeah. it? Because he made him captain. exactly, yeah, made him captain. Like and then he's yeah. and then he's gone so, within six months after he's gone, so. Mm. Yeah, there's no time for sentiment in the Premier League, unfortunately. No, absolutely not. And uh, well, it looks like maybe Williams was the last, well, finding out that the hard way. But going back to the game, uh, they only one more point to make, really. But it was, as we just sort of talked about before that, uh, obviously we did have a spell where we looked decent with 10 men and then very quickly Brentford realised they had the extra man and went, hmm, OK. And we didn't see the ball, which is wave after wave. Um, we had Murillo, Gibbs-White, Toffolo and Bolly, especially, all putting their bodies on the line and blocking shots. The Gibbs-White one especially was incredible, running back 75, 80 yards to make a last-ditch tackle on Wemo. Um, I do have a question, though. 13 minutes of added time? Um, that was a bit bold, to put it mildly. Uh, where did you get that time from? And how did you think that we uh, fared? I mean, it would be very easy for Forrest to crumble. I mean, look at Sheffield United a few weeks ago at Spurs, you know, clinging on for dear life. 11 minutes goes up, whatever it is, and they conceded twice. Like a weaker team probably loses that game, for example. So is yeah, there a positive Yeah, I don't know where 13 came from. No idea. Um, I, can't, I, I, I genuinely was shocked when it said 13 on the board. Um I don't know. What did the physio only came on twice, didn't they? A couple of VAR checks. I don't know. I think, I think they took a while for uh, the goal. I think Dominguez got injured, didn't he? Dominguez got injured. He had the trainer on. Um, yeah. Whistler had the trainer on after the Stubbs, uh, goals. Yeah, mainly. Mainly, it would took a long time to do not a lot. I sound like, <laughs> to, I sound like to, my dad calling a physio with a trainer here. It, it's, just, it's just one extreme to the other with referees to me, person. But we're going to talk about that in a bit, so I'll leave. It no, I, 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 I genuinely don't know. I can't say anything more. I, I genuinely don't know. It's gone. It's gone a bit crazy. This. I mean, if I if I played thirty minutes extra on one of mine, the bloke could be coming out from the clubhouse telling me the chips had gone cold. It's it's ridiculous. 13 minutes. What's happened in a football match for you to add 13 minutes on? It's it, No, it, it wasn't that sort of game either. There was a couple of injuries and that was it. Yeah, and it was just finally, it, yeah. just finally, if it had been 1-0, I bet if we were 1-0 down, I bet it had been seven tops. It was like, because it was level, it, it felt like it had to add every single minute on. Yeah, I think so. 
No, but thankfully we did hold on, and I think we I think we what eleventh in the league now, narrowly just behind United on goal difference, I think. So something like that, anyway. But I think it's what eight points from seven games. I mean, we won four points this time last year, and we just lost four in a row. So it's definitely a marked improvement. So I guess that's the way to look at it, and just, I hope the rest of it falls into place, which I'm sure it will. But just before we quickly move on to uh, separate thoughts and player performances and they are um just one slight thing i wanted to sort of raise in that as you may have seen uh andre santos obviously on loan from chelsea was seen going down the tunnel just before i think you know, the board went up or whatever else and naturally being completely rational forest fans we just absolutely started hammering him like saying go back to chelsea get your train back uh, but yet, there was not a single word of criticism for club captain and Forrest through and through Joe Worrell, who did the exact same thing. So, you know, just saying, if you are going to start playing that game, at least, you know, be consistent or don't do it at all. For what's worth, when both players were training after the game, do their, do their warm downs, there's absolutely no issue. So don't make a mountain out of a molehill. But yes, we'll now move on to Sleptonic Thoughts. Red side of the Trent. <laughs> Slept on it thoughts. So, start with Declan Parsons. Turner was shocking today, and I think it's an opportunity for the Greek bloke to come in, and then Turner could be done for. Willis said, look good for 20 minutes, stop playing. Wrong decision to play near Carter at left back when you've got one on the bench. Very lucky to get a point again at home. Has Forrest and the Cooper ever played well for 90 minutes with four at the back? That's a bit harsh. Uh, Todd Mills, positives. Coming from behind to gain a point with 10. Domingo's top quality. Sangare improving. Murillo is short and promising. Negatives, two points from the last two home games. is a poor return. Failed to capitalise on promising start at home. Three games in a row. Very few clear-cut chances. Tom Newton says, we seem to stop doing the right things when we're in the ascendancy. We're also very slow out the blocks in the first 10 minutes, the second half, as we just said earlier, and create problems for ourselves. Red card was naive when you were booking, but Thankfully, we managed to get a draw. We have some player in Dominguez. A lot of affection for our new Argentinian mid- midfield maestro, I think. Certainly a lot better than um, previous Argentinians we've signed, i.e. Padula. Uh, I was in the top one. Says, it's tough not to feel like that's two points dropped against a side we should be beating at home. Also feel like it's a matter of time before this team starts to click. Sam says, I think Malamach has been real. First game in the Premier is excellent. Bolle, Sangare and Dominguez, close contenders as well. Premier League Elliot says, Dominguez for me was a boss in midfield. Well done to those who worked the scoreboard for increasing the font size and the timer. Asim, I want gives back, gives White back in the team more than bringing back Kellogg's Ricicles and Roger Red Hat. And last point, least, least, Alex says, it's a good point in reality. Body for me has been our player this season so far. The bloke is insane at the minute. Murillo looks very tidy and Nathan's as Nathan said he would be. But Dominguez is going to be an absolute star in this city. Thank you all for getting your uh, steps on it thoughts over. Uh, as it goes again, it's, it's always positive when we get through them all. We can't read them all out because there's so many. So massive thank you for that. So, what do you want to tackle first, guys? VAR or player performances? I'll put the ball in your court. Player performances. VAR as late as possible. <laughs> Should we do a separate pod? <laughs> going once, going twice. VAR oh, and referees. That'd be well excited. <laughs> <laughs> Roos has got a dossier ready. Right. Uh, we'll start, though, with um, Reese. Obviously, naturally, 
uh, I've been sub- un- sub- unconsciously giving you very difficult player performances. So I'm going to, I made it a point to give you a nice one this time. Uh, Sangare, I thought that that was signs that we were getting the real deal there. There was one moment in the first half where he just beat two players and just sprayed a ball out wide. It was like, okay, yeah, he's good. So hopefully those uh, stars saying, where's the receipt, might uh, be quiet for at least another week. What do you think? Yeah, up until the, the um, what happened at the start of the second half, I thought he was really good. Um, he was like a worm once he kind of wriggling his way through, was it two or three players in the first half? And He's like Adam said earlier, put that really good ball through to um, I think it was a Lango on it, um, which was he split the defence wide open. And he also chipped one over the top for um Serge Ore down that side as well. I'm not sure if Ore miscontrolled it, but um yeah, he, he looked far yeah, much touch. better, um, looked more settled and he looked more up for it. I mean, at, at one point he was giving a bit of um Jaren Brian Clough stand for after a tackle. So yeah, he's gonna like I've <laughs> said on this pod, you know, the lad the lads come to a brand new country. I don't think he can speak much English. Um Ash did inform me that apparently when he did get booked for gesture the yellow card, that Ore was saying, Oh, we can't speak English to the ref, which I found quite funny, uh, trying to get away from that booking. But yeah, like like we said, it's gonna take a bit of time into um to settle in and that. Um but yeah, I thought that was probably the first game. I, the first two games, I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was awful or anything more. I thought he was okay. Um, six out of ten. But yesterday, you'd probably be going more towards a seven, wouldn't you, out of ten and um, look more like the player we've signed. And so hopefully it's um, a sign of things to come. Um, it's just a shame we've, we've obviously got the Palace game next week and then we're looking at another international break, aren't we? So... But yeah, it was um, a much more positive performance and I'm really pleased for him. Definitely. I think there's another thing that he did where he sort of, uh, from like the right-hand side, sort of weave past one, just ping this absolute beautiful yeah. straight on to the left. Yeah, it was beautiful. absolutely beautiful. perfect delivery. Mm. Yeah, I was like, so yeah, he, as, as, you, as you said, like, yeah. I'm not I'm not comparing him to this player at all, but his his body style's like a bit like that of Paul Pogger, isn't it? Where he's really like kind of gangly, but you can see he can play. I mean that ball, what you said, um, mm-hmm. Christian was yeah, beauty. That was right to my corner where I sit and Bridgeford up. So um yeah, yeah, good yesterday. Lovely stuff. Uh Adam, seeing as I know you've done the same for me. Um, Matt Turner. That was the Matt Turner who I saw at Arsenal in the Open League last season was very worried when we signed him. Um, thoughts, and do you think he holds his shirt for next week? I thought with his feet, he really worried me. I think it. I think it stemmed from the first half where he, where he like completely like, uh, what do you call it? He scuffed one, didn't he? Really like spooned it right into the air, just coming back towards him more than anything, uh, and then it carried on in the second half, but. Weird, weirdly, I think, like you say, for the goal, I thought he could have done a bit better. And then, but then, like at the very end, he comes and claims a cross, like just plucks it out of the air, and you kind of think, well, what the heck has happened to you all game? But I think if you're gonna go with this different style against teams who are gonna be in and around us, then it wouldn't surprise me if that is the performance that gives Lahadamas the, the nod, really, because I, I, I mean, I, I can't really say I've watched much of of Portuguese football or watched him play for the Greek national team. But if you're coming from a Champions League team that got to the quarterfinals and 
is more of a modern keeper that can play with his feet, then I imagine that he's going to be far better than, than Matt Turner is. So I wouldn't be surprised if he if if we go to Palace next week and he's announced as our number one for the game. But yeah, it's it's a difficult one because I do think Turner has done well in, in other games, so it would be harsh. But like Reece says, there's no time for sentiment. This is a serious business. Like Because I do think this is a season where it makes or breaks Cooper. He either grows with us or we we grow we outgrow him essentially. So every game is is pressure on on him to get it right at the end of the day. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, I mean, I still think most Forest fans, if you said to them fourteenth, are probably glad he's take that. But I don't think our owners are so. What's the words? Forgiving. That's the word. Right, right phrase. Yes, <laughs> forgiving, perhaps. Yeah, but I think we um we saw last season. To be fair, with you know Cooper, how ruthless he can be with keepers. Obviously, touching on what we said earlier, but like I remember, uh, he wasn't obviously in for the start with Hutton. Uh, sorry, first season two years ago, um, when obviously we Samuel was a bit dicey. We played Hawthorne. He cost us a game against Middlesbrough, and he was straight out of the team again. But do you remember when Samba um lamps Jagielka and got a free match ban? As soon as as soon as Sam was available, getting Hormuth was straight out of the team. He hadn't even fought badly. He was all right with Steady, but he didn't, you know, that was it. He was like, no, 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 sorry. So I wouldn't be shocked, I think, because as I said before, where, where you're a goalkeeper, if you make one mistake, more often not, it leads to a goal. But I mean, Turner, really, but for Murillo banning him out for a shot he should have saved, yes, you know, would have considered that one. He basically would have given a penalty away had there been someone with eyes in VAR. And was at fault for the goal as well because he just goes straight through him. So that's three game-changing incidents there. He's got very lucky with that someone else has bailed him out for. And it, really, if as you say, it, taking it, it, that sentimentality out of it, he should be dropped. If you, if you want to play this different way, you need defenders to trust your goalkeeper, don't you, to give the ball back to him? Because if like then it changes people's minds. Like Murillo, there was a time where he could have played the ball back and instead he just put it in Rosette because he obviously then lost faith in him of, of giving him the ball back because he's just taking too long. I don't know why it was taking so long to kick a fucking ball. And sorry, I swore, but you got like we're on rushing player. They just caught, caught an unswit Brentford and, and he got very lucky. That one that Murillo cleared off the line, that, that, goes to my point of where we just completely lost concentration. Everybody in our team thought that ball had gone out. And the Brentford player ran and kept it in. And by the time they realised, it made it like five yards into the box. And then he got a shot in. And they, and if to be fair, Murillo blocked it nearly at turn and went in. You know what I mean? These like lapses in concentration, it just costs so much. And it's really frustrating because we can have like 85 minutes of where we're actually really solid in defence. And then these lapses in concentration just completely cost us but um, yeah it gives it gives Cooper a decision to make doesn't it big time yeah uh, me to wrap things up on the player side of things I was going to give you Domingos because I thought I think we've all sort of covered how brilliant he was in the game like excellent excellent performance also I do absolutely love the fact that his goal much to the uh, chagrin of Brentford fans was a 0.03 xg which is absolutely beautiful. But so the player I'm going to give you is someone else in that midfield, which is Mangala. And I, I feel Mangala sometimes goes under the radar a little bit. But I thought yesterday, very, very good. Very good indeed. What do you think? Yeah, very good. I think we, um, we've we said on this pod before, we don't really know what he is. Well, I'll tell you one thing that he is. He's very, very, very hardworking. Um, he doesn't stop, whether it's forwards or backwards. Um, I mean, there was one incident where 
I think he was the furthest man staying back at corners. Um, again, I'm not I'm not entirely sure that's wise, but when when you want to get your big guys in the box, someone's got to do it, I suppose. But yeah, he just. I think the problem with people sometimes is he perhaps just doesn't do enough in terms of he's not quite brave enough with the decision he makes. So he'll play a simpler pass rather than looking for a more probing one. But I think when you're playing with three in midfield, you've kind of, as long as all three of the midfielders aren't doing that, which we've already alluded to that Sangari was trying to ping it wide and that sort of stuff, there's no problem with having one that's just keeping things nice and simple and and getting it to the players who, who can cause more problems. So, yeah, it was certainly one of his better performances. Um, and if I'm being honest, it was a performance that suggested he's acutely aware of who's waiting in the wings now to take his place, potentially. Um, so, yeah, that is a good sign. Um, similarly to Toffolo, as we've discussed already. It's good to see that if players are without a shirt for a few weeks, or I know that Mangala has had one, but there is players now waiting to grab them off, you know, at every opportunity and pounce on every mistake. So it is good to see that some players are stepping up. Um, and I think Mangala did that yesterday. Definitely. Yeah, no, I, was, I was very impressed with how Mangala played. And I guess we should also give a, a shout out to Toffolo as well. I thought Toffolo was very good when he came on. You wouldn't have thought that was a player who'd been I know, generally seen as a backup as well. I mean, it, again, it's sort of testament, isn't it, to sort of like how, you know, hard work sort of will generally overcome talent if it's applied properly because, you know, he's just got his head down, he's bowed, off the field, bits and bobs, and, you know, he's put in a good ball and got us a very valuable point. But um, I guess the question is, obviously, I don't want to linger on it too much for Lee's sanity, but VAR at this moment in time, would you pause it? Would you sack it off? What would you do with it, Reese? Start with you. Um, both of them aren't going to happen. I'd I'd wager anybody that that neither of them will happen personally. Um, you know, I thought when VAR was muted, so this has come from basically, and Lee will attest this really years of substandard refereeing and people moaning and the, there would have been I'm telling you now if people go back in time there would have been years of managers pundits and fans saying oh we need technology I guarantee it before VAR come in um, the problem when they start with VAR is it was very split on the opinion and then from the off in England they've made a horlicks of it in my opinion um, and these fans who were kind of against it you never got them on board these fans who were kind of on the periphery you've never got them on board um and it's just been a bit of a, a disaster and it's accumulated to that um incident in the spurs liverpool game on saturday which <laughs> they are always the one that gets battered but at the end of the day it's a referee sat there watching a screen and I'm, I'm i mean what is a referee fell asleep watching that game or something because he he, he, he didn't even know what decision had been made so i just kind of <laughs> on the pitch, I don't get what's happened there, and and as well, like you know, like you, you can't. It's hard to compare it to other sports because they're all different. But in rugby, the, like the TMO will literally, t- he's the ultimate authority, and he will talk to the TMO and be like, "Look, this has just happened." You know what? It's, you don't want someone in a room officiating the game. He'll say, "This has happened. Can you just check this for me?" So it's clear understanding. It's like. Nobody can hear the audio. What they're saying at home or in the ground, it, it's just, it's just an, it's just an absolute mess, isn't it? And you know, then you've got people saying, "Oh, we can go back to human error." Well, 
<laughs> people will say that. And then you look at incidents like the Sam Surridge penalty, we should have had a Bournemouth where, you know, people up in arms about it. And, but now it's kind of, oh, we'll go back to accepting it. They, they won't, they won't, they won't. And I could go on. I've, I mean, I've, I've made loads of points on this little sheet I've got in front of me, but <laughs> unfortunately when you've got a system with, Referees, in my opinion, aren't good enough. Who also, with respect to them, and we'll give them a little bit of leeway here. It's a totally different skill set to be a VAR ref. You know, really, should should they have really started to train referees from the start who were just for VAR? Right, you know, Mike Dean, who was a, a Premier League referee, said he couldn't do VAR because it was different skill sets. So it's just all a bit of a mess, into, and it's come to a head this weekend because let's have it right. With respect, it's happened to a big six club. Um, in a big six game as well. And that's why it's gone, in my opinion, not, I won't say OTT because it, it's an absolute stink of a mistake, but it's been blown up by the media because, you know, it's Liverpool, um, you know, and then and then the, getting every little nut and cranny where all oh, the referees were in UAE 48 hours ago. You know, who, who cares? What does that What does that even matter? You know, like Simon Jordan was saying on TalkSport today, you know, are we going to be saying these referees have been up at seven o'clock in the morning picking the kids up from school so they're fatigued? I mean, I could I could go on about referees and they are all day, but I'll let someone else have a chat because it just I'm not sure what the answer is, to be honest, mate. I think with VR, it's people's gonna moan. We won't go back now. I'm pretty sure of that to how it was before, where it's referees and people are gonna moan at them. So yeah, I'm not sure what the answer is, to be honest. I've really got like a couple of points to make. What one I heard on another podcast was like if football was like a new, complete new game to start with in the modern era, and then you said, Oh, there's no technology that helps the referee now, you'd be like, What? It wouldn't make any sense. So yeah, it would make no sense to get rid of it. But Shearer made a good point on match of the day. It's it's not the technology that's at fault. It's like what Reese said, it's the people who are who who are managing it at the end of the day. Yeah, you can make errors and, and all that, but it's got to be better. I always think, like, during the referees in the year, why, why aren't you just looking at the monitor with the VAR and talking through what he thinks he's seen? And then, like you, like with the TMO thing in rugby, then they can come to a more clear and concise decision a lot quicker, you'd like to think. But, yeah, there's a lot of work to do with it. It's, it's a boring subject matter. I mean, I don't know if Lee has got any more to say than what I think Rishi kind of summed it up quite well, to be honest. Yeah, I'm very bored of it. Um, yeah, Reese made a good. The one point that I've mentioned um, in other conversations with mates and that is the whole concept of letting the same referees that one week will be on the field to then do a VAR game is extremely flawed uh, for a number of reasons. Like you say, I think yeah, they all get four, a four day training camp on VAR. That's just not enough. They should be specialist VAR referees. Um, which I believe they are in rugby, to be fair. Um, yeah, and I think what that would do is, like, the assistants and the referees on the Premier League and the EFL will only ever kind of go out with sort of... So, like, if you're an assistant referee, you'll only ever go out with, like, three different referees because the idea is you'll get used to each other, you work together, you make more right decisions. I think if you, would, you was to do that, you would el- eliminate the element of, which I've said before, where if you've got, say, Michael Oliver, who's the top dog, on the field and you put Tim Robinson, it's just an example. Tim Robinson's probably the best, the best ref we've had this season, to be fair. Um, but he's new on the Premier League. If you put him on VAR, 
will he be brave enough for a really big decision in the, the 93rd minute, or even in the 23rd minute, I suppose it doesn't make a difference, to turn around to the top man and say, I think you need to go to the screen, to then risk Michael Oliver going over and thinking, what have you sent me here for? I, I'm still going to stick by you, you know what I mean? It's just the whole, um, I don't know, I, I think it's quite flawed in that sense. Um the thing I do, I do understand what you're saying in terms of with rugby, you can hear what they're saying and oh, it's just have a look at this. One of the fans' main arguments with VAR is that it's too slow. Well, when that does happen in rugby, it's very slow um, because the referee might say, oh, I've seen something collapse in the scrum there. Can you just have a look at this? Can you just have a look at that? Before you know it, he's looked at two or three different things and it can be quite slow. But rugby fans accept it because they, they usually get the right decision. I just don't think, I, I think some fans want it speeded up. Um, I think the With next respect as well in rugby, it's a totally different attitude towards a ref. The respected in football, yeah. it's been a culture of the referees kind of like the enemy, isn't he, really? Um, you know, back as kids growing up, Ferguson's teams are at it, aren't they? Yeah, and I, I still don't think, even if we could hit, I mean, to us four, I'd like to think fans like us, we would listen to them talk and we'd be like, yeah, fair enough, I understand it. Some wouldn't. Some would still be up in arms that they've explained the law and they've got the right decision because it's gone against their team. That's just football fans. It's very tribal. Um, I mean, again, like we said, I could go on all day with various bits and bobs. Um, I actually think the worst element of all of this happening at the elite level is that the criticism and the abuse that we'll continue to get at grassroots will now just get worse because typically you find if everything's pretty quiet on the... If it's quite quiet at the top level, we tend to get quite a little bit of leeway at the bottom level because it's not trendy to bash a ref and it's the it's the line, oh, you're all shit, this, that and the other. For the young ones who want to start doing it, we've got no chance now. We'll have even less because the abuse will just go. It, they see people doing it. They see people... I mean, you see it every week. Ref supports putting things on like... There was a team at the weekend. A 12-year-old girl was came off a game... Or 14-year-old girl, I think it was... Um, one team had made a cry, so she abandoned the game. They played on with a coach and he'd, he'd put on Twitter how good the, the other ref was. And it's like, people were saying, if you'd showed the same level of respect to the referee, you might. it's just ridiculous. It might sound really like an easy thing to say, but I just think the abuse down where I am now will probably get worse. Um, which isn't a major thing. I've got thick skin, but some haven't. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know what the answers are. I don't think it'll get paused. I don't think it'll get stopped. Um but yeah, I, I don't, it's just in a bit of a sorry state, isn't it, at the moment? It's it's so bad because without a referee, don't have a game. So it makes no sense. Like on Saturday, when the VAR uh, comes up on the board for Brentford's goal, you've got four stands of the, of the city ground chanting, you're a twat. Yeah. Now, that's not going to help anything, <laughs> yeah, is it? Not. You want the referee, like... It, that, that, that's that would, that that's what I mean about... That'd make me swing the decision. I go, well, do you know what? I'm, I, I don't care. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make the wrong decision now because I just think we're knobheads. It's you know like I mean? when I say about human error, like <laughs> that's what I mean. Like you will go back, we'd go back to human error, and people would be like, oh, you're a W. This human error disallowed the goal, the Liverpool Tottenham goal. They put the flag up. So if we didn't have VR, it still would have been the same outcome technically. I've, I've no idea why the club. This was a club's. I think it was. Um, I think it's Dale Johnson on ESPN. He put mm. the clubs voted not to have that semi-automated offside. I have no idea why that didn't get through because that looked good in the World Cup. Um, yeah, it and it, it, it looked a lot better on the eye as well because 
half the problem at the start of VAR was these lines. People just <laughs> were just laughing at them, basically. They're getting, they're getting like you're getting like your square out that you get from Screwfix yeah. to try and draw a lot. No, you piss, ter- piss you, off. You, you turn, you're turning, you know, working class game into like a mathematician's lesson. That's <laughs> a joke, they, isn't it? They, sometimes they just don't help themselves, and that's why it's, oh, it's just bloody frustrating. It really Let, is. Let's press on, guys, because everyone's going to yeah. turn off at this VAR. <laughs> it's crap. My my final <laughs> point on it. My final point on it. To be fair, is. I think when we had the human error and we didn't have VAR, the English referees had a lot... Their stock was higher among the FIFA rankings. I don't believe that... It's, I think it's a really easy comment to say it's not the system, it's the people using it. It's not. It's how they're being told to use it. I think VAR has made some... Some aren't good enough, but it's made some very good referees look very, very poor. I, I firmly believe that before we had VAR in this country... Our officials got far more FIFA games. They got far more. You look at was VAR in place when Oliver got Real Madrid Juventus? I'm not sure. That was a massive game, and he made an amazing decision in it in the 94th minute. Our stock was quite high uh, then. I don't agree for one minute that it's the people using it. It's how they're being told to use it. And then the thing I just add to that, that point, as yeah, last I mean, point. Sorry. sorry, Christian. The, my last point is that to me is just the arrogance of the Premier League of, oh, we're the best league in the world, which we are, let's have it right, we'll do it our way. We're not going to do it how the Europeans do it, even though that way seems to be better, because we're going to do it our way, which, you know, we've got to do it the best way, and at the minute and it isn't the best way. Well, I mean, it was heavily rumoured, wasn't it, that apparently, well, um, was it, Germany had the AR in before we did, in the Prem, and um, the story has it, obviously, don't quote me verbatim for this, is that they apparently presented Mike Riley and PG Everwell with a dossier, basically saying, "Look, this is everything we've learned from this year. This is what we th- this is what we found out works, what we found out doesn't work, and what you should absolutely avoid." And Mike Riley just threw it straight in the bin, or to that effect, just completely ignored it. And uh, that that just sums up the entire arrogance of our system. Sadly, I mean, yeah. But yeah, going back to your point, Lee. I mean, it's um, I found, well, I saw a Luton fan say it earlier. Actually, was that. You see, Prem refs get big championship games, and we 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 had this obviously. Remember Bournemouth away last season, like you said earlier, and without the VAR sort of safety net, they sort of crumble a bit. And that's that's another argument, I suppose, isn't it? But we are indeed turning into the VAR show instead of the Forest podcast, which should probably move on. Um, our next game is at Selhurst Park. We face Crystal Palace, who. A lot of joy at Old Trafford at the weekends. No referees have stopped that one, which is nice for them. Uh, yeah, Reese, what's your um, prediction for the game? Um, it's going to be Palace will be favourites. Um, I think with the bookies, I'd be very surprised if they wasn't. So it's good. It's going to be a tough game. It's it's hard to go on last season's. Um, result there because that was a damp squid one at last game of the season uh, apart from Will Hughes who took it really seriously but uh, that's one of them things um, I'm going to go for the same score as the last two games in the game last season I'm going to go for a 1-1 um, and I think that would be a pretty decent point but I think I can see it being quite an open game to be honest um, and it wouldn't surprise to see either team nick it either way um, Palace you know got some exciting players you know as they the likes of him Um so, yeah, hopefully we can go down there and put on a good performance and get a result. And if we can get at least a point, I think we'd 
would take that and bring it back up the M1. Absolutely. Adam, what about you? I mean, you'll be our man on the ground for that one as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Sellers. And I've got Dan Cook from Hopkin looking to Kerr one to come on uh, this week's preview. I had him on last season. And he's, he's a good guy, Dan. So I'm looking forward to talking to him because they've had a good start, Palace, haven't they? So they've actually looked a lot stronger without Wilfred Zaha, which is... Uh, an interesting point to make. Yeah, I think I, I think I prefer as if we're the underdog in that one. I think we'll we'll kind of we step it up a little bit more when we're not favourites, and I think it will suit us a bit more if Palace come at us and we can kind of maybe use our strengths more, which is the counter attack. So yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting game. Five thirty on the telly. Everyone will probably be complaining again because it's it's not glamorous as as some folk might think. So. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll take a point, but it would be it'd be very forest to go get a result at Sellers. We've been quite successful in the past, uh, haven't we, when we've gone there? So I won't be shocked to see us nick it. But I'm, yeah, I'm gonna sit I'm gonna sit on the fence, obviously, and go one one like Reese says. Not a draws here, Lee. Uh, I'm going to go for a win. I, I just think it's the sort of game that we're perhaps more suited to at the moment, uh, where we have to sit in a little bit and hit them on the counter. I think we've played pretty decent in periods of all our away games so far against better opposition. I'm hoping we can continue with that sort of, um, you know, like the shackles have been off. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I think it'll be close. Um, yeah, I think we'll win 2-1. So I think we'd all say that. I am going to be a little bit more conservative, sadly. I think it'll be a very drab, dull, nil-nil game in which our new Greek goalkeeper gets a clean sheet in. That's my prediction. I think it'll be a terrible watch for viewers. I think it'll be... I, I, I felt the same way about Palace and Fulham. That went the same way. It's just a very drab. It'll be last match of the day. We'll have about a minute of analysis. And our fans will still complain that we haven't got a 45-minute special on how Forrest have kept a clean sheet at Sellers Park. But, um, yeah, I've just got a feeling it ain't going to be a great watch. But I'd take a point. If you said there's been hours, point at, point at Palace, I think that'd be pretty good going. Um, as I said, they started pretty well. Eze's a very dangerous player. So, yeah, I'd, I think that'd be pretty sufficient all around. But, anyway, thank you all for listening to what has been a very incident filled uh, Red Side Trend episode for a very incident filled game for a very incident filled weekends. Let's hope next week's a little bit quieter. Anyway, take care and come on, you Reds. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 